Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary Podcast. We're continuing our teaching series, Misunderstanding Jesus. In this series, we're revisiting the odd, abused, and ignored sayings of Christ. This week, Pastor Jason Coker shares a fresh perspective about an odd statement from Jesus found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. That verse says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Listen now to Jason's teaching titled, What are the Pearls and Who are the Pigs? is intended to help us as a congregation advocate for changes that need to happen in the community because there are conditions in the community that we think are uh, unacceptable. An example of that would be that you may have noticed increasingly that as you drive around the streets of Oceanside that there are people who live on the street. We think that's unacceptable. We think it's unacceptable that anybody, any human being, would be relegated to living on the street. This morning when I showed up, Uh, Somebody had uh, dumped some clothing on the outside of our office over here because uh, we have a ministry that helps uh, uh, provide people with supplies. And in addition to that, there was also some trash that somebody was kind enough to leave us. And so I I took the trash over to the dumpster. And as I was throwing the trash out in the dumpster, I, I found a young couple who looked like they were in about their early 20s sleeping in our trash enclosure area. And so That is just a common occurrence here in Oceanside. If you live in Oceanside uh, or or Escondido or down in San Diego, those are the three sort of concentrations of people who are homeless. So homelessness is a real concern of ours in this congregation. We don't think that's okay. We have other concerns as well, uh, for example, uh, around issues like climate change that that we feel as a congregation we can advocate for change uh, at the policy level. And so yesterday, you see Claire Elise here speaking. Uh, yesterday, we had a gathering at St. John's with Mike Levin. And there's Mike Levin right there on the left while Claire Elise is talking. There's Mike again. Mike Levin's our local congressman. He represents the 49th district. And as our congressman, we just think he should be answerable to us, his constituents, about these issues. And so our Justice Works team. Uh, worked with the San Diego Organizing Project to put this gathering together. And Mike did a a pretty good job of answering our concerns, answering our questions. He did a lot of campaigning as well, uh, which is, I suppose, to be expected. Um, But for those of you in the room who don't know, our church's job is not to advocate for partisan politics. Uh, We're not here to encourage people to vote Republican or Democrat or or any other sort of partisan affiliation But we do think it's our job as a church to advocate for those who are poor and marginalized and oppressed and those conditions that make those situations worse. Uh, There's that guy, apparently, who thinks he has the right to talk behind a microphone. Um, So Mike Levin did a good job. Uh, Afterwards, I heard, interestingly, I was was talking to somebody in our neighborhood a little bit about this and uh, was talking about what the purpose of this gathering was. Thanks for all of you who came to it. By the way, it's really important that we show up in force when we have these opportunities. Uh, But I was talking to somebody in our neighborhood about it, kind of describing it. And our neighborhood's a lot like yours. You know, there are are liberal folks in my neighborhood and there are conservative folks in my neighborhood. It's a lot like this church. There are conservative and liberal folks in this church. 
And I was talking to a, a friend in the neighborhood who happens to be very conservative. And when I told him about that we had a meeting with Mike Le Levin, uh, he, he referred uh, sort of, I think, intending to be funny, he referred to Mike Levin as a libtard, uh, which is a, is a phrase that I often hear, you know, people on one side of the aisle using to describe people on the other side of the political aisle that is meant to be deeply denigrating. And it's sort of shorthand for making fun of a person to the extent that you immediately disqualify anything that they think or are or believe or have to say simply by sort of wrapping them up in one word. And of course, conservatives aren't the only ones who do that. We all have a tendency to do that. We all have a tendency to label people with pejoratives or insults so that we can essentially dispense with them as human beings out of hand. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about that kind of behavior, uh, but for my part, I just feel like we ought to be able to come up with way more creative ways of insulting folks. I don't know about you, uh, but I feel like, you know, uh, libtard is just not nearly interesting enough. Um, I'm a, a fan of Shakespeare. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to memorize Shakespearean poems. I don't know why. I was just that sort of kid. I'm not sure what that makes me. I'm sure there's a word for that, too. Uh, but I just prefer Shakespearean insults. Here's some of the insults that Shakespeare wrote that I find to be useful. This one is, uh, you poisonous bunch-backed toad. I'm not really sure what a bunch-backed toad is. That's from Richard III. Uh, here's another one. Away, you starveling, you elfskin, you dried neat's tongue, bull's pizzle, you stockfish. I don't know what any of that is, but it sounds terrible. It's from Henry IV. I like this one. This one's very simple, very elegant. Would thou wert clean enough to spit upon? That one's from Timon of Athens. And then here's this one. This is good. The rankest compound of villainous smell that ever offended nostril. That's from the Merry Wives of Windsor. This is my favorite one, though. The last one. Uh, this is from Troilus and Cressida, sort of a, an obscure bit of Shakespearean work. Uh, one of those insults is, thou sodden-witted lord, thou hast no more brain than I have in mine elbows. I just think if we're going to insult people, we should be a little bit more creative about it. Matthew chapter 7 is our passage for today. And in it, uh, we have Jesus giving us a bit of teaching that if I think we're not careful in how we read it and how we listen to it, it can sound an awful lot like an insult. It's Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 6. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pop it up here on the screen so you guys can see it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6 says this, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and maul you. This is one of those sayings that I think we have a tendency to really uh, misunderstand and misuse and even use it to abuse other people at times. What exactly is Jesus saying here? What does it mean to throw pearls before swine? 
The first thing that we tend to think, of course, is that Jesus is referring to some people in the world as dogs or as pigs. That we have something in our possession that's valuable, that's treasure. And Jesus is saying, you know, whatever good thing you have, whatever valuable thing is in your possession, whatever you do, don't throw that in front of people who are like dogs or pigs because they can't even really appreciate that and understand it. And then he goes on to say, they may turn and maul you. And I think it's easy for us to immediately think that Jesus is talking about the gospel or our faith or our religion when he talks about pearls. Uh, Later, Jesus talks about the pearl of great price. He is specifically talking about the gospel. He's specifically talking about the kingdom of God when he says that the pearl of great price is something that's worth really hunting for, worth chasing down, that it's of great value. And so I think it's natural to think that Jesus here is referring to the pearl of the kingdom or the pearl of our faith. Uh, The trouble with that rendition of this passage, though, is that it puts into Jesus's mouth a fairly ugly insult about other people. It creates in us this sense that Jesus was another one of those religious folks who might have a tendency to denigrate people on the other side of the aisle. And that, I think, just feeds into our worst tendencies, our tendency to think that we are the ones who are right, and everybody else is wrong. And for those who are wrong, they're like the pigs or the dogs. And the last thing we should do is cast our good things before them. There's a bit of good advice there, too. That's the other thing that I think makes this a little complicated, a little difficult. Is if you are a person of faith and you come to a place like this, you come here, you know, well, nobody comes here every week, right? But you come here a few times a month. You look at the stained glass windows, you engage in strange behavior like standing up and reciting prayers or raising your hands while you sing to, you know, God in the heavens or you come before a table and you drink a bit of grape juice and eat a bit of cracker and all of that can seem very odd and strange to people who don't understand it. And so the part about this sort of interpretation that makes sense is, of course, if there's something that's really valuable to you, something that's meaningful to you, Isn't it true that if somebody doesn't understand it, if they don't get it, that it feels a bit like a waste of time to try to get them to understand? I actually think that's really helpful advice. I think about that actually in relationship to evangelism. You know, I have lots of friends who are not followers of Christ. They may be followers of Muhammad. They may be Buddhist, they may be agnostic, they may be rabid atheists. They just don't believe the same things that I believe. And of course, there is a time when I can bear witness to the goodness of the gospel in my life. But most of the time, it's not good or right or even helpful to try to shove my idea of God down their throat. And so I think it's important to recognize that, that there is a bit of good advice in that particular interpretation. My, my problem, again, with it, though, is, and I, I can't speak for you, and I can't sort of impose this perspective on you, but I really have trouble worshiping a God who would refer to human beings as pigs or dogs. I can't put those words in Jesus' mouth. And so that really drives me to 
to try to understand what could be going on here, uh, because of course, that sort of sentiment could really cause a great deal of harm. It would become all too easy for me to excuse my unwillingness to you know, give the gospel to other people. It would be all too easy for me to just relegate entire groups of people to the category of pigs or dogs. And so that feeds into the worst expressions of what it means for me to be a human being. And so I wonder, is this what Jesus really is saying? I, and I want to read to you Matthew chapter 5. This is just a little bit before Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the core teaching of Jesus' whole ministry. This is the sermon that we believe he taught over and over and over again. If there are really important words in Scripture, then these are the most important words in Scripture. You know, we take the whole Bible seriously, but the truth is, is we give more weight as Christians to the four Gospels than we do to the other portions of Scripture because that contains the teachings of the person that we claim to follow. And within those four Gospels, we would say that these are the weightiest words, the words of Jesus himself. And so I think it's important to, to take this saying in Matthew 7, 6 and sort of put it in context in this sermon. And earlier in the sermon, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus says this, You've heard it said that in ancient times you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, and some of your Bibles, what it says there is raka. If you say to somebody, raka, or you fool, then you will be liable to hellfire. Now, what Jesus is saying there, especially with that last sort of clause, if you say to somebody, raka, it would be sort of like us saying, you idiots. Think of the worst sort of most contemptuous expression, the thing that you would say to another person to essentially dismiss them as a person. And that is raka. Raka means not just you're ugly or you're stupid or your mom is ugly or stupid. It's not a run-of-the-mill insult. It's more like you're not even worthy of my consideration. It's utter contempt. Jesus says, if you say that to another person, if you have utter contempt in your heart for another person, he says, it is very much like you have committed murder. You're, you're liable to the same judgment. Now, I, I think in this passage, Jesus is teaching us where violence comes from. Jesus is teaching us that violence comes from that deep place in our hearts where we're not just angry anymore, and we're not just frustrated anymore. We have gotten to the point where we're done with you. And we can dehumanize you to the point where we can justify anything at all. I think that's at the heart of Jesus' teaching here. And if that's Jesus' teaching, then I don't think he can be doing the same thing he taught against two chapters later. I don't think that in Matthew 7, 6, Jesus is essentially saying, Raka to the pigs and the dogs. So I, I think there has to be something else at work in this passage. And I especially love the insight of 
Uh, Dallas Willard on this. Some of you know Dallas Willard is a favorite Christian author of mine. And, and I really appreciate his take on this. He says, what a picture we see of pigs trying to eat pearls in our efforts to correct and control others by pouring out our good things. Now, the reason I like Dallas Willard's take on this is because if you remember from our reading earlier in today's service, Matthew chapter 7 is all about judgment. Matthew chapter 7 is all about judgment. Do not judge, or you will be judged by the same standard that you apply to others. This is what Jesus is talking about when he then goes on to say, do not cast pearls before swine. So it makes no sense to say that Jesus is teaching that we ought not judge other people, that we ought to pay more attention to the plank in our own eye rather than judging the plank in somebody else's eye. It makes no sense to say that Jesus is basically teaching us to pay attention to our own faults before we judge other people's and then turn around and judge a bunch of people by calling them pigs and dogs. That makes no sense whatsoever. Dallas Willard's insight is to say that this sentence is actually another expression of non-judgmentalism. And so let's hear the rest of what he has to say. What a picture we see of pigs trying to eat pearls are efforts to correct and control others by pouring our good things, often truly precious things, upon them. Things that they nevertheless simply cannot ingest and used to nourish themselves. Often we do not even listen to them. We know without listening. Jesus saw it all around as we do today. The outcome is usually the same as it is with pigs. Our good intentions make little difference. The needy person will finally become angry and attack us. The point is not the waste of the pearl, but that the person given the pearl is not helped. The counterattack is the number one cause of alienation between generations. Hear this. There are several generations of people represented in this room. Our children and others do not know what to do with pearl pushers and our stubborn blindness. Our pearls often are offered with a certain superiority of being that keeps us from paying attention to those we are trying to help. What, what Willard is saying is, is this, that Jesus begins this portion of his sermon by saying, hey, we shouldn't judge each other. Whatever standard it is that you use to judge other people will be applied to you as well. By the way, before you criticize your friend or your neighbor or your brother for having a flaw, you probably should pay attention to whether you have that same flaw only bigger. There's a whole like psychological term for that. It's called projection. When we are blind to our own faults, when we are blind to our own pain, our own trauma, and then we project that onto other people and we see it all over them and we criticize them and we critique them for it. Jesus says, pay attention to the plank in your own eye first. And then he goes on to say, in the context of judgment, he goes on to say, don't throw your pearls before pigs and dogs. Now, Willard's point is, 
Pearls are not nourishing to pigs and dogs. They're of no use to them. They can't eat them, and if they tried to eat them, they wouldn't be of any good to them. And so that's why they get angry, and they turn, and they become vicious. Because what we think is valuable, we've cast in front of them, and it just makes them mad because it's of no use. Willard's point is, that's what we do when we give good advice to people. When you give good advice to people, Willard says, that's really just our way of condemnation engineering. In other words, it's really just our way of trying to control them. It's an expression of judgment. You know, in January of 2018, there were four psychological studies published. And what those studies found were all the same, four different sort of takes on this same reality. What those studies found is that giving advice to another person is very empowering for the person giving the advice. Not so much for the person receiving it. And what these studies found primarily was two things. Number one, it found that if you were a person who felt powerless, who felt like you didn't have much control in your life, a really effective way of gaining a sense of power was to give advice to somebody else. That it made you feel powerful. And people doing that, people who feel powerless, who then give advice to other people. This is true face-to-face and online, by the way. They conducted those studies in both environments. Face-to-face and online, that when you give advice to somebody else, it makes you feel better about yourself. The second thing that it found, which was closely related and should not be a surprise to anybody in this room, is that the people who seek and desire power the most are the people who give the most advice. Now, if you're anything like me, you're thinking of certain people that you know. (laughs) Oftentimes that's true. Yes, Nemo. I get paid for it. I got a little advice for you, Nemo. See me later. Yeah, exactly. So imagine the people that you know who have a tendency every time you turn around, every time you, you know, talk about a challenge that you're experiencing in your life, every time you talk about a letdown, every time you talk about a failure or a frustration, every time you do it, sure enough, there's that person ready to give you their pearls of wisdom. Now, now tell me that's not frustrating. Tell me that you don't feel judged. That's exactly what we do. We use our good advice and our wisdom and our insight to press upon other people what we think they should be doing with their lives. But here's the thing. Those pearls don't do anything for them. They're as useful to them as pearls are to dogs and pigs, which is to say, not useful at all. And it really just makes people angry. There's a second part of this that Willard doesn't talk about, that, but that really struck me as I was thinking through this this week, and, and that's this. Pearls are not only useless to pigs and dogs. They're also useless to people. You know, pearls aren't actually useful in any way. They're expressions of vanity. 
I think part of what Jesus is indicting us for is not just our tendency to want to control other people, but our tendency to want to puff ourselves up. And it goes back to those studies that say that the people who seek power the most are those who give the most advice. And I wonder, as I was talking about that, that tendency for people who really want power to give advice, I wonder if the person that you thought of was you. Because Nemo's right. We all like to do this. We all like to take our wisdom, our insight, our knowledge, and cast it in front of other people. Not as a way of genuinely helping, but as a way of making ourselves feel better. And so today, I want to wrap it up just a little bit early for two reasons. Number one, I want to invite you during our last song to prayerfully consider what God might be calling you to as you reflect on how you tend to offer your pearls to people as a way of condemnation engineering them. Because we all do that. And I think what Jesus is calling us into is a really radical expression of non-judgmentalism. The kind of non-judgment that means that when we think we know what's best for somebody else, we just keep our mouths shut. Until they ask. Until they really want our insight. Until there's a genuine partnership. Not just a, a way of lording it over other people. So I want to invite you uh, to enter into a time of prayer during our last song. I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to play one last song for us in worship today. I want to invite you as they play to reflect on how it is that maybe you use your pearls of wisdom to try to get other folks to act and think and behave in the ways that you want them to, rather than just letting them be who they are, rather than entering into a genuine relationship of faith and goodness. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter into this last song of worship, I pray that these words would, would sink deeply into our hearts, that we would trust that you are doing the work in us that we need, and that we would trust you're doing that work in others as well. That we would stop seeing other people's faults and failures and using that as an opportunity to lift ourselves up. But instead, we would be ready to accept people for who they are and welcome them. And if and when we are called upon to help, that we would do it without the temptation to power. In Jesus' name, amen.